It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Ten games down, three games to go, so three shows to go. And this is the Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's in Provo with you Mondays 12 to 1, visiting with two of BYU's three coordinators every week this week. It is special teams coordinator Ed Lamb in the first half hour, defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki coming up in half hour number two. So we kick off this hour with Coach Lamb. Ed, good to see you once again. Thanks, Craig. And uh, BYU comes off a 20-13 to 13 setback at Fresno State uh, this past Saturday. Maybe a general summation from you on how the game uh, went before we get into some specifics. Uh, I thought um, you know, the positives from the game were the way that the, the offense uh, was able to get drives started and, and uh, at least get us into good field position Didn't, and then scoring drives enough. and need, need to improve in that area, but I thought that uh, our particular quick passing game uh, was was going on really well the uh the idea was to to throw the ball to set up the run and i thought that went pretty well the run efficiency was pretty good the pass efficiency was pretty good uh probably need to hit um hit some more shots and big plays to to flip the field more in a hurry and create more um, scoring opportunities down into the red zone um defensively we uh you know we played uh, fairly solid um overall but uh but you know in a tight game like that we didn't didn't in the final analysis didn't stop enough scoring drives didn't force enough Field goals on the on the two long drives that they had, they were able to convert convert those into touchdowns, and uh, and that really hurt us. And then we didn't get any takeaways on defense or special teams either. Uh, the coverage, as as has been the pattern this year, the punt coverage and kickoff coverage continues to be really solid. Yep. And the uh, and the return game uh, kickoff return showed some real life. We're able to get the ball out into their safe into Fresno State safeties, one tackle away from breaking the whole thing, and, and twice outside the 25 yard line. So improved in that area. Uh, punt return game was uh, was was disorganized, and uh, and we have to do a better job on that. It starts with me. Okay, based on the things you just said, I want to hit on, hit on a couple of things. You talked about getting into good field position on offense, which you did, but you started off in a rough spot. The average starting field position was the 21, and that's not optimal. And so the defense, offense doing what it did to get where it wanted to go yeah. was good, but you were backed up uh, far too much most of the night. Yeah, I think, and, and when you talk average starting field position, I think the turnover deep in our end and then us not getting any turnovers, that, was, that to was probably the biggest difference in, in uh, having a little, a little closer or, or being able to take advantage of it in that area. The two touchdown drives are keyed on two big plays, the only two big plays of the night. Fresno State literally, now they ran 60 plays. They literally had two plays of more than 50 yards. Mm -hmm. It was a 50-yard completion. It was a 35-yard completion. And on the strength of those two plays, they scored their lone two touchdowns. That's right. Yep. And we had had a pass interference call that, uh, that hurt us. As well, and kept one of their drives going and gave them some chunk yards. Okay, the call itself. How do you feel yeah. about it when you went back and watched either live or after? Oh, that, that's what. So I, I'm not in the habit of disagreeing with calls. <laughs> Used to be, as a head coach, you get fined. I don't know if an assistant coach gets fined for that, but um, but could you see what the official was seeing? I can see what the official was seeing. Um, the uh, the the reality is, had it been a, a better thrown ball, we'd have probably intercepted it. Chris, uh, excellent coverage. He recognized a two to one read and uh, came off the one and went to the two. So he was covering two guys on that play, but you know, it was his own coverage. So. That might be overstating it, but he had eyes on two guys as he should have, and then he just broke on the ball faster than the defender did, and ended up uh, ended up contacting him. And, and uh, the fact that he was playing the ball, I thought, uh, uh, would allow for some gray area, and perhaps the official didn't need to make that call. But uh, you know, those as we've talked about before, those officials want to make the right call. They're highly motivated to do that, and there was certainly room for to make that call as well. 
So the impact of two big plays on Fresno State offense, we, we talked about. The impact of only three penalties. Three penalties is a good number, a manageable number. One's the P.I. we just talked about. The other is a false start that I think takes you from third and one to third and six. That's big. And then the other one is a substitution call when you go from first and goal from the nine backed up to the 14. He never got back to the nine. So it's just the impact of these few plays for this kind of team this year, it seems, in BYU is just magnified. It is. And, uh, and you know, overall, we, at this time of the year, really in the second half of the season, sometimes it's, it's um, a good practice for us as coaches to start looking at where we where we rank nationally in, in statistics, some of the markers that we feel like would be important goals. Penalties is, is uh, an enigma for us. We're fairly, we're fairly good in the penalty area. We're in the, the top half of the country, one of the least penalized. But uh, the penalties that we have had have been off Oftentimes mental errors. You know, we, to, by contrast, you know, when we talk about false starts and things like that, or alignment errors, or substitution penalties. Uh, those are those are killers so much more than than uh, a, a cornerback trying to make a play and running yeah. into a DB. Um, you know, we, the, the, some of those some penalties are going to happen through the course of aggressive play. Other penalties need to be taken care of by organization and better coaching. Penalties aren't a great win loss correlator. Some of BYU's best teams have been highly penalized. Mm-hmm. A lot of great offensive teams do get a lot of penalties, but it seems for this BYU team. Not so much the number, it's the when and the where's and how well you can recover, and it's been a struggle this year that way. That's right. That's true. So uh, the substitution and fraction penalty was big, taking you back to uh, outside of first and goal range inside the nine. There was a penalty on special teams that was declined, one we haven't seen yet this year, and it said, uh, I guess it would be that that both Kiva and Squally were on the same special team. Is that right? That's right. They're on the same special team, and that's just that's a critical error on my part. Uh, You know, they they ended up declining it, but had it been a fourth and five or less situation, it would have given them a first down and. And really, I, that was a, that was just a terrible mistake on my part not to go through the roster each week. When I change the depth on the special teams, I should be scouring the roster and making sure that we don't have duplicate numbers. We have a lot of great tradition here at BYU and a lot of retired jersey numbers, and that makes for some doubled-up numbers here and there. And as guys uh, move up and down the depth chart and, and work their way on or off special teams, it creates a challenge for me, and I, I need to rise to that a challenge. So obviously they, did, they hadn't played together, obviously, until that moment of the right. season. Or That's at least right. they hadn't been noticed, yes. but I would probably presume it's the former, not the latter. That's right. Yeah, we had an injury, and uh, so Squally stepped into that lineup, and just a, a mistake on my part not to uh, not to follow through and, and uh, make sure that those guys, they, they can both play on punt return, but just not at the same time. So I look at the Fresno State game, and I see a Fresno team that was, and this is not, not any kind of denigration, they were good but not great. They were good enough to win on that night, doing a lot of things you'd like to do, in particular not giving it away. They have two, two giveaways in the last five games, so they're careful. Again, they weren't a big play offense, but they were just good enough at the right moments to be better than BYU by, by seven points. That's right. Yeah, they kept the ball in front of them. You, you, you mentioned it earlier. We did not keep the ball in front of us twice. It beat twice, twice down, the, down the boundary. For 50-yard gains, 50-plus-yard uh, gains, and uh, really cost us. And then um, we had uh, on our offense, we didn't get those chunks. And so, and then we turned the ball over once, and they didn't. And so that ended up being the difference in kind the game. Kind of being your ball game. BYU ends up, again, it's it's points, not yards. Uh, BYU has a few more yards, uh, more first downs, a lot of good things you want to see happen for the third downs. Uh, it was BYU's first 50% third down day of the year, and normally that's a really strong indicator of success. On this night, it just was not. Enough other things didn't go uh, go your way. That's right. I want to talk about briefly uh, the fact that Squally Canada emerges, and uh, this is more or less the assistant head coach cap coming on right now. You talked about jumping in on a special team, but uh, it was his impact in the run game that really benefited you. Uh, he ends up seven yards per carry, about 85 yards on the day. Didn't get carries till the second quarter. I think the game plan was originally to give Braden a look and work Squally in. Um, 
the, the decision that led to that? And could you have gone to him earlier? Or you just wanted to see how Braden did in the first quarter, do you think, as a team? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think Braden ran really well when he was in there. He was, uh, I, I think, you know, the common thing is to try to get the defense softened up a little bit earlier in the game with both the passing game and then a, a more physical runner. Uh, to Squally's credit, and I actually talked about uh, to him about this this morning, um, he ran the most physical that he's ever ran. You know, I, I think that uh, other times in the year he's gone up, and, the, and if the hole hasn't quite been there, he's just kind of softened his way and fit into where the hole should be. And a little more tentative earlier. A little more tentative. Yeah. That's a good word for it. And uh, and he was not. He kept his knees driving. Um, he, he protected the football with good ball security habits. He had the one that was that was that uh, ended up going to a replay. But just an excellent game by him. A big step forward in his career, and I think competing with Braden helped that. And he had just come off of injury as well, a common theme. Braden, indeed, is the only back who's played every game for you this year. He has, and, yeah, there's those guys. They've had they've had bad uh, luck, bad misfortune on that. So we got to keep uh, keep those guys that are healthy coming along and getting better. And uh, I thought both those both, two, both those backs you mentioned have really improved over the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right, Coach uh, Lamb is with us until the bottom of the hour. Your questions for Ed using the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. Hashtag CCBYU for Coach Lamb. Your questions later in this half hour. We'll come back with more of the Coordinator's Corner at JCW's in Provo on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to JCW's here in Provo. Greg Rubel with Ed Lamb, BYU's special teams coordinator, assistant head coach, and safeties coach as we look back on BYU's 20-13 setback at Fresno State, the Cougars at UNLV on Friday night. It's intuitive that uh, teams like to play with the lead. Uh, for BYU, it's almost an imperative. When you guys lead it uh, halftime or, or first quarter, third quarter, almost unbeatable uh, in the Satake era, tougher time coming back. And again, it's an intuitive thing, but it seems like the starts for BYU, if you get off to a decent start, you're going to have a decent day, and you were down 10 nothing after one. Outscored Fresno the rest of the way, but the opening quarter was uh, almost it didn't really seal the deal, but it, uh, it put you in arrears, and it's been tough for BYU that way. It did. Yeah, it was a really, really tough first quarter on our defense, and uh, the guys, guys made some adjustments. I thought we weren't playing with very much confidence early on. That was a, that was a real issue for us on defense. How and, do you uh, note that? How do you assess that, judge that? Uh, well, the first place my always go, eyes always go is the secondary, and I want to see do we have the same uh, – Are we, chal- we We call it challenging. Uh, Coach Guilford and I in the secondary, we play a lot of man coverage, and uh, we gang up on the run up front. And so the idea is that we have to have confidence in the secondary and challenge the receivers, not give up uh, easy routes. And um, I felt like that we were playing with too much of a cushion early in the game. And even on the even on the play, sometimes when a, when a DB has, it sounds uh, counterintuitive, but uh, sometimes when a DB has too much cushion, that's when you can get beat deep as well because it's hard to recognize the ground being eaten up. You know, when a guy's backed off significantly, kind of in his mind thinks, well, I gotta I gotta close this cushion down. And we want to challenge directly from the line of scrimmage. We want to challenge early, challenge often, challenge all the way down the field. And I, and I thought we did not start doing that until about the third drive. Okay. Uh, you hit safeties real quickly or secondary. Um, they, they weren't terribly involved in, in a lot of the defensive numbers we note. But beyond the numbers, what did you see from your guys? Uh, I, I see guys in young corners. Um, 
getting better through game experience, uh, good and bad, making making plays, and then and then you know given in this in this season, we don't have the luxury of uh, being able to point to plays on Sunday very often that hurt our defense but didn't hurt our chance to win. Mm-hmm. And so these are these these hurt these guys. They work in, they work incredibly hard and they want to be good and they're they're still young and learning the game. Um, the, the, the safeties uh, continued to tackle well. Fresno's offense really worked the boundaries. They didn't work down the middle of the field very much, and so the safeties weren't challenged really in the in the um, in the in the route combination in the patterns. But uh, you know they tackled well, kept the ball in front of us in the run, and they've done a good job. Those Micah and Zane are particularly two good tacklers. They continue to do a good job of that. And because the safeties uh, weren't involved a lot in having to stop the run, it, it, it credits the front seven. And uh, no runs of 10 plus yards mm-hmm. uh, from Fresno State on Saturday. You can live with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. Uh, good solid defense. They, the guys played incredibly hard up front. Particularly the end, the three linebackers, their defensive ends, played really hard. We had a rotational system at the defensive tackles, and some guys played better than others. Uh, Kesney and uh, Metti both played excellent uh, and with great effort and technique inside. They were our, two of our better players on the inside this week. Special team standouts, uh, you kind of uh, overall assessed how the special teams performed in all the phases in our first segment. But uh, Rhett Almond had a two-for-two two night on field goals, and I was waiting for it, begging for it, got that long field goal. Uh, 46-yarder, career-long uh, for Rhett. The longest field goal BYU's kicked since the Utah game with Jake Oldroyd uh, more than a year ago. And so Rhett was, uh, had a perfect night kicking it, and uh, the fact that he got that 46-yarder out there uh, gives you a point-scoring weapon that you're able to use. Uh, I'm sure you feel good about how he played. Excellent job by him. Yeah, and we were—I we, was really hard on him uh, for last week, uh, both in uh, in the game during during San Jose State. I think that he could have performed better. And then during the week, I was really put him under a lot of pressure situations during practice. I mean, everything from you know just standing there while he's trying to make a kick and uh, punching him in the shoulder and telling him that he's got to do better for our team and trying to create practice pressure. And he he responded really well this week. Really proud of him. Uh, really pleased with the uh, the the punt team was on point. Excellent uh, punt pun average, no opportunities for them to return the ball. That continues to be a strength. And, and our, our biggest strength, we don't talk about it a lot, but our biggest strength has been all year has been the kickoff coverage team. We're, uh, yeah. a, the, the, there's a kickoff efficiency. I know you look at punt efficiency. Uh-huh. Kickoff efficiency, we're number one in the nation right now and have been for a couple of weeks running. The uh, And Corey Edwards had kind of taken a back seat to Andrew Mickelson on his kicks for a couple of weeks. Corey came in and kicked an excellent kick just right outside the numbers, right at the goal line, right where we like right it. Right at the pylon, it yeah. seemed, yeah, yeah. I think we tackled it in the 13-yard line yeah. or something like that. And all the punts uh, were efficient. Uh, as uh, Coach mentioned, it was a good day that way as well. Rhett's hit 55 consecutive uh, PATs. The only thing stopping him from getting the record, which is 70, might be not scoring enough touchdowns. Hopefully you find 15 more touchdowns yeah, here in right. the rest of the season. Sure. That would be ideal. But uh, he's been uh, nails, and, and uh, you can see it in college and pros. Granted, pros are backed up a little bit, but PATs aren't always a given, and he's been done very well that way. He sure has. It's a, it's a great story. Just like quarterbacks, you know, when things aren't going well, the kicker takes a lot of heat. But um, and for him to walk onto this team, it, it predates me, but for him to walk on as a punter with no kicking experience, see an opportunity, become the best kicker that we have on the team, and then continue to get better throughout his career. It's really a great story. If he doesn't miss any more PATs, he'll end up as the most efficient 
PAT kicker in BYU football history by percentage. And his field goal rate, minimum two seasons played, and he's played two seasons, field goal rate is number two all time at BYU. So what you're asking him to do, he's generally done very well. We, we are. And what we've continued to ask him to do is to stretch his capacity, to stretch his range. And, and uh, he took a big step forward with that this week. And as I said to him in front of the I'm big into public accountability uh, for myself and the players. And I, and I, I told him, okay, you've, you've now exposed your range, and we expect that to be, become routine. And you talked about putting him under practice pressure. Yeah. You put him under game pressure the week before. You said uh, after he missed uh, the 33-yarder, uh, make your next one or you're not my starting kicker anymore, yeah. I think is what you said. I actually, Paraphrasing. I gave, I gave him the choice. I said, we, I can take pressure off of you, and I can do the right thing here. When, when a guy misses a tackle, you put a new linebacker in, et cetera. We can do the same thing with kickers. And if I do that, you know, you'll, you'll still be around, but um, whether the next guy makes it or not. But if you go out and miss another one, you're done. And uh, he said, I've got it. I got this, and I was proud of him for stepping up and, and making that. Was a big, that was a big-time pressure kick that he made. Um, we're going back to San Jose. Right, but, but still, uh, he's made yeah. everything since the ultimatum, Everything since the ultimatum. All right, uh, before the break, um, I want to hit uh, a question that is more offensive-based, but uh, a general question. It's about Tanner Mangum and his toughness. Yeah. Um, he re-injures the previously injured ankle late first half. And he's done for the time. They cart him off. John Deere and him go off to the uh, off to the locker room. Uh, but he comes back, and I noticed even just in the pre-second half warm-ups that he wasn't ginger as if ah, maybe it's a little too tender for the second half. He was going after it hard just in warm-up throws. And I saw somebody that wanted to be back on the field really hard. Yeah. And then he came out and did, I thought, well in, in the second half. And, and I just... I don't know if you see what I see, but I, I just saw a more energized and eager quarterback, even though he was injured. And then to see him go down with another uh, separate and much more serious injury on the opposite leg uh, was kind of heartbreaking because I, I saw a guy that really wanted to get that one done for you guys yeah, Saturday he, night. He sure did, and he played his guts out, played played his, his best game and really played within the system. He looked at the, he was making his, his reads correctly, was delivering the ball on time. Our pass efficiency was very good. We needed to hit some shots, and we didn't quite do that, but the game wasn't over either at yeah. the time and we were very much in the game at the time when he went out of the game i'm really proud of the way he responded i had the the pleasure to sit with him we, uh, the night uh, before the women's basketball game be- the night before we traveled uh, to fresno and uh, you know his, his sister plays on the team and there w- wasn't very much crowd there so we saw each other and we just uh, started to started the visit and um, he's just he's he's an incredibly uh, mentally tough young man and who's who's at a very pivotal time in his life as all these young guys are and to see his growth uh, you know throughout the season and to see what that, that what he was starting to do there within this this system of offense at Fresno you know it was, it was exciting and I was really enjoying it I was celebrating with him over there on the sideline and to see him go out was so disappointed it's not an unusual injury when a guy plays through a, a significant injury on one side of his body to, to get an Achilles like that but you, you can't protect him from it. You, know, you can't say, "Well, your, you know, your ankle's hurt, so we're going to not play you because your other Achilles might rupture." But uh, that, that was a that was a really unfortunate. What do you know about the injury relative to when he might be able to get back? Everyone's different, I suppose. But yeah. are, there some, are there some generalities you can kind of count on right now with yeah. that? I haven't had a um, I haven't had a player that went through it. I, the other, the only guy I know that that had that in a similar situation was Ty. And so, just in talking to him, I think it was a, a four to six month recovery for him. Okay, uh, and then Kalani, we'll take a break here in a second. Kalani said in his media gathering this morning that it's basically a three-man deal right now to compete who starts uh, at UNLV between Joe and Bo. And Cody Wilson, I guess, is still in the mix. Is that fair to say right now? Um, it is, yeah. yeah. That's uh, all, the, all of those guys have their strengths, and uh, they'll all have an opportunity this week. I mean, we obviously... the 
their practice practice competitions a little bit overrated. So I, hmm. I think uh, you know Kalani and and Ty probably certainly have their depth chart, which is a clear one, two, and three at this point. And there's um, I'm not sure exactly how that that fits in, but I think every every all three of those guys need to prepare to be the one. Bo one, Joe two, Cody three, right? One, two, three. Uh, no, I, because Bo yeah. came in first the yeah. other night. Um, he, he did. Yeah. He did. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying no that I disagree with that. I'm just saying that I, they have I, their they have their yeah, ideas. At, at this point in the week, uh, my my head is really into the defense more. I hear than, you. more than the offense. Short week, so a lot to get done here between now and UNLV. All right. Next segment. Hashtag CCBYU for your questions for Coach Ed Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. It is our final segment with BYU's special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb, defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, coming up moments from now. Ed with us to the bottom of the hour here at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Uh, your questions for the coach coming in at hashtag CCBYU. That's hashtag CCBYU on Twitter for Coach Lamb. We'll get to those in just a second. One kind of random question uh, before we get to those, and that uh, deals with your punt return. On a handful of occasions, you'll throw a second returner back and involve some misdirection, deception. It maybe hasn't gone off the way you'd exactly like it yet, but we saw a bit of it again against Fresno State. The design behind that, the intentions, and how it's maybe been executed this year. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a high risk, high reward uh, um, situation, and uh, it, the worst possible scenario is when the kicker splits the two returners and uh, puts a lot of uh, depth under it. Let's say uh, sixty-six yards, for yeah, example. Six, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and so that and it just it just didn't work out, and that that's completely on me. I'm I'm comfortable making that that taking that risk, and on behalf of the team, it's my job to decide to take that risk. It's. Uh, you know, it's been successful in the past, and and it was, uh, from a setup standpoint, it w- it was very successful. All of the uh, coverage guys went with our main returner, and the off returner just wasn't able to get over there and, and get that. But it's a it's a trick. It's not something that uh, you know you you need to work on when you know, when you're you know scoring a lot of points on offense. It's not worth the risk. But when we need to get something started, and our punt return game and kickoff return game needs to take some risk to get going, and uh, we need to do some creative things. It's a shot in the arm play. And what's the yeah. key to making it happen? To make it go off the way you want it. The key to making it happen is a, is a shorter kick that usually uh, you know what I I work hard to study the the amount of what, what we call shanks by the the punter and which direction that the punter will generally shank it. And so you're trying to take a calculated guess based on field position and uh, and the opponent and uh, what whether the ball's on the left hash or in the middle or the right hash and what the punter would tend to do based on situation and so we it was it was the correct situation yep. according to the risk analysis that that I, that I made but it didn't work and the coach's the coach's job is to make sure we do the thing that works every time and it didn't work but that punter had a good body of work to that point and he's averaging 40 plus around any any unloads of 66 that that's yeah and and that's well that's his pattern was long punts and short punts and so we were trying <laughs> so, to catch him on a short punt yeah. but he really swings hard at it. He doesn't have great consistency. He has a, he has a great, excellent average, and against us, he punted the heck out of the ball. All right, a question from uh, Jeffrey Butler on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Do you feel players are spending enough time on their own, perfe- on their own, on their own, perfecting their craft? And will this season help establish future habits moving forward for the oh, players? Oh, that's a great question. It's a, it's a two part question, and and the first is, um, I would say overall no, and it's not not because we have any lack of, of desire to do that. I mean, players understand, and, and you know, every coach says, hey, you need to watch more film. You understand? And we try to give assignments so that the players actually have a homework assignment to go and watch specific film in a in a targeted way 
But the reality is just, just like you and your job and, and me and my job and everybody out there that does their job, the longer we're in our jobs, the more we know how to take initiative to work harder in our jobs. And the less that we, you know, when you're talking about young players, it's not as simple as just going and watching video. They, they will go and do it. They'll, they'll follow through. They'll be dil- diligent. But, but uh, veteran players get so much more out of watching that video. And so, I, so that the, while I don't chase these guys around, try to give them homework assignments, hold them accountable, quiz them, things like that, I think that our level is going to continue to rise in terms of what our players are doing away from the game to get better at the game. And I think the second, the second part of that question is, is if this season will help establish uh, oh. a few uh, better habits moving yes. forward. Yes. And I've been, I've been telling our coaching staff that, you know, we have a, we have a daily staff meeting and I've been saying that for weeks is, you know, it's, it's great. Let, let's not all over You know, everybody wants to bring a lot of ideas and things and that's fantastic. But we, we also have to keep in mind, I've been continuing to remind our staff this, every member of this organization, every administrator, every, every player, every coach, every, Every fan is trying to find ways to make themselves better, our program better, and, and we'll continue to do that. So we all have to give each other room, too, to grow together and uh, and not be overreactive in any way. And I definitely think every one of our players will learn from this experience. My motto is uh, hard times make strong men. Every broadcaster wants to improve, too, and I'm in that same boat. <laughs> Last thing for you, Ed, before we let you go for the week, uh, the obvious answer will be three wins but uh, what do you want to need to see in our final three games to, to show you and, and prove to you that you've got a good group and, and a solid group that knows how to finish strong? Um, we, we have to work and get better. Uh, I'm going to start offensively, which I probably shouldn't do. It's not my first area of responsibility, but it's, a, it's an area that just coming out of these last couple of games, I feel like that uh, we, when we did it, we, we really performed well and added momentum to the whole game and the whole team. And that's hitting hitting shot plays, making big plays. We need to hit on our percentage of shots, and there needs to be improvement technically and tactically. And and a rising to the occasion is what you're talking about. So rising to the specific occasions will help us rise to this occasion and hopefully finish with some momentum. I think defensively, it's it's a similar thing. We got to we have to stop shot plays. We've been solid on defense. We don't give up a lot of scores. You know, we're we're fairly solid in that way, but we're not making the big plays at the right time to win games. And that's what great defenses do. We cannot call ourselves a good or great defense until we're doing that uh, consistently. And then in, in the special teams, you know, obviously. When guys, if guys can continue to cover in the coverage units when we're not winning, that's some motivated guys who are just putting their pride on the line. Love what those guys are doing. Want to continue to see them do that. But I need to put a much bigger emphasis on the return game to spark our team. Well, Ed, I know these Mondays could be a lot more enjoyable for you than they've been the last uh, little while. Yeah. But, uh, man, I sure appreciate uh, um, uh, the things I learned from you and the thoughts you share, and hopefully our fan base, too, uh, picks up what I do and appreciates your contributions because they're really valuable. So thank you again. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Ed Lamb. Coach Elisa Tuiaki is coming up next here on the Coordinator's Corner at JCW's BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to JCW's here in Provo, Utah. For the Coordinator's Corner, every week, Mondays, 12 to 1, we are here talking BYU football with two of the Cougars' three coordinators, Ed Lamb in the last half hour, talking special teams and more, of course, and BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach Elisa Tuiaki with me now for the second half hour. E, good to see you once again. Thanks. I say good to see you, and we'd love to see each other uh, with even more anticipation if BYU were winning a few more games, of course. It's a hard deal to come back every week and, yeah. and talk about the latest uh, unfortunate result, but uh, it's a 20 
to 13 loss at Fresno State that showed a lot of good things, especially defensively. How do you view it uh, in some, um, and maybe in terms of a, a wrap up? You know, like, like you said, it, it wasn't bad. Um, you know, we in, in the run game, that's probably going away from it. The two biggest disappointments, uh, or the way that we felt after. Um, in the run game, it was I think it was 3.4 per carry, which isn't bad. Oh, it's really but, good. But yeah. um, when we needed the ball back, you know, when we ended up turning the ball over and, and uh, trying to get the ball back, they ran the ball on us, got two first downs, which was a big disappointment. It goes straight down to just technique, the way that they played the, the, the front and not really uh, the front as a whole, but the D tackles. And, and we talked about that, and it was, uh, you know, addressing those issues. And t- today's practice, I mean, the D tackles came out kind of renewed and we're just out to hurt people which is good and we need them to play that way and and that was probably one of the bigger things that just walk walking away from it because i coached the guys and, yeah. you know it's just we, we we weren't as stout as we needed to be and then the two big plays that we gave up uh were both big plays that happened on the drives that they scored on and you only two bo- touchdown drives yeah yep on the two touchdown drives and and uh, one of them you know we we ran a game up front with the with the D tackles, and one of them didn't loop like he was supposed to. We would have looped right into a sack, but didn't he didn't do it. And uh, you know the corner didn't play as well with his technique. And then the other one was actually a blitz, where one guy just didn't do what he was supposed to, and ended up knocking another guy off, and and they were able to get the ball off. And so um, you know just just miscues and just uh, uh, th- things that were all just really self inflicted. It's a game of moments, and, and sometimes teams that are struggling have a typical, more difficult time overcoming those negative moments. The two pass plays we just referenced, 35-yard pass and 50-yard pass, are literally the only two pass plays of more than 15 yards. There were no chunk run plays of 10 yards or greater, and Fresno is a pretty good offensive balanced team that does have big play potential. So to that extent, you got a lot done what you wanted to get done, but uh, the two big plays are the key plays and the two touchdown drives, and then when you generate only 13 points... It's tough to do it. I mean, uh, 20 is a number you can probably deal with against Fresno State. Uh, 13's probably not. Yeah, it's 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 tough, and you know we 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 still have to try to get the ball back. You know, and that's I thought that they were really good, and credit to them about you know taking care of the ball, um, being really calculated as far as just risks risks that they took, and and uh, not turning the ball over. And they took care of the ball, and the one turnover that that happened in the night was the one that really costed us the game. Kind of seals the deal late. Yeah, sealed yeah. sealed the game late, and so. Um, we, we've got to find ways to, to create more takeaways, and um, really part of it is just capitalizing. I mean, there's there's opportunities on film for us to take to just make plays, and, and we're not capitalizing. There's one of the plays where we ended up getting a, a PI. We, we're in, you know, we, we're in a, a bailing corner coverage, and and when the ball's up in the air, I mean, it's it's for you to go and take. And, and I know that uh, the young man that made the mistake is really hard on himself about just getting better, and and uh, I think in the future he'll make those and make people pay for putting the ball up there. Well, Ed said on that play, maybe a better throw results in a pick. I mean, yeah, Yeah. because it was was really not a great throw, and and the P.I. was almost easier to call for the official because of that. If it was more a 50-50 ball, I think maybe the the, the, the play goes uncalled because Chris is in position to actually make a play. Right, right, exactly. He ends up running into the guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You talk about uh, 3.4 yards per rush allowed that night against a pretty good run team. BYU on the year is at 3.9 yards per rush allowed. And that puts BYU in about the top quarter nationally, 36th nationally in yards per rush allowed. And, And again, it's been 12 straight years. This would be 13 that BYU's under four yards per carry allowed. That is your strength and remains the strength of BYU, isn't it? Yeah, and that's every every single every single game plan that we've gone into is about stopping the run and creating third and long. 
um, you know, it wasn't always like that. We we, we gave up some some uh, some a good amount of yards to certain teams. Mississippi State, yeah, and for some example. Yeah. Mississippi State ended up getting a lot, and some of them we spent you know a lot of time on the field, um, and and uh, just really kind of got worn down. But um, it, it's still the focus. We want we want to stop the run and create third downs and and uh, opportunities for us to get get big plays. Again, it didn't come in a win, but you allow 20 points. Only 60 plays, no chunk run plays, just the two big chunk pass plays. Generally speaking, defense could do some things it felt good enough about, but it is a team game, and it's not going to be just one team, one side of the ball trying to win a football game for you. Uh, the takeaway issue we've kind of addressed all season long, right? Uh, last year you had 31 takeaways in 13 games. This year just the 14 takeaways in 10 games, none against Fresno. Uh, do you happen to know how many giveaways Fresno's had in the last five games? I don't. Two. Yeah, yes. they, they do a good job taking care of it and just really calculated about, you know, the, the, the quarterback is, is well coached. And, you know, the, he's the kid from Oregon State. Right, so you know him. him, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's not as good a quarterback as other guys that we face, but they're really, really good about coaching him up and, and just, uh, I mean, you know, they, 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 didn't, they didn't get very many yards, but it's just everything they didn't calculated. They didn't, kill, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, and that's, that's that. I mean, the plan to win as far as just playing on uh, both both sides of the ball, playing really well, I thought they had, they had a good game plan. And until the final minutes of the game, there were no turnovers, and it turns out the one giveaway is the one deep in our own territory that allows them to kind of run it out. And with a struggling team, uh, the margin gets really narrow. And, uh, and and one play like that can can mean the difference, and it was kind of that yeah, night. Yeah. You'd like to see what would have happened had BYU been able to uh, yeah. get a longer drive together. But, uh, you know, hey, it's a helmet-to-football hel- helmet hit. Um, they hit them hard. Uh, Matt yeah. got rocked pretty good, and the ball popped loose. Yeah, yeah. And that's... They just made they, they made a play. They you know, opportune moment and they took advantage of it. Okay, we'll take a break. Coach Eliza Tuiaki with me as we talk defense for BYU. Coming up, uh, we'll uh, look back again at a couple of Fresno State leftovers and ahead to UNLV. Now, that's a good run football team. It'll be a great matchup on Friday night down in Las Vegas. Your questions for Coach Tuiaki later in the show at the hashtag CCBYU. CC for Coordinators Corner. This is the Coordinators Corner at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU falls to Fresno State 20-13 to last Saturday night in Fresno. BYU at UNLV this Friday night at Sam Boyd Stadium. Talking BYU defense with defensive coordinator, D-line coach Elisa Tuiaki. Uh, Sione Takitaki was, uh, had a really active game, I thought, for you in Fresno. Would you say it's one of his better games, or did it just appear that way to us from up top? No, he, he was the player of the game on defense for us when we, we ended up uh, putting that together. Really, really productive game. I mean, he always plays hard. He always does. But, uh, you know, just, just productive and, and uh, just dominant in what he's asking him to do. You know, still obviously mistakes. And, you know, a guy like that who does make a lot of plays and has the potential sometimes will just freelance a little bit. And uh, so, you know, just kind of reeling him back in and getting him to do, do what we're asking him to do. Outside of that, he was phenomenal. I thought he did a really good job. He was a good player. So the way you break it down, was Sione's effort a winning effort or a championship effort He's a for champion. You? He's a champion and a player of the game. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, Fred Warner was banged up in the uh, the previous game, and there was some question whether he could get ready to go against Fresno State, but he did. Uh, just the, first of all, the effort to get him ready to play, and then how he played against Fresno. Yeah, they, uh, you know, we, we rested him the whole week, and just uh, uh, Steve Pincock, our, our head trainer, took care of him. And the, the important thing for us was just to get him to the fight because of all the experience he has. 
Um, you know, obviously you'd like a guy to practice, but uh, for us it's mostly just making sure that he's ready and feeling confident running on his leg. And and uh, he did a good job. Did a really good job for us. Okay, what do you hope uh, comes out of this year defensively that will most assist and benefit you in next season and seasons to come? What do you think can you you can take from this? Uh, to, to really build on moving forward. I think we, we've got to we've got to string some wins together to, to really start to feel confident. Because I think it, that uh, that one stat or the you know the most important stat, which is win, winning and losing, kind of hangs over you a little bit and just feels a little dreary when you're when you're doing some good things. And so, you know, we, we've got to we've got to win. We've got to win. We've got to create takeaways. We've got all all the goals that we went into last year as well as this year. Um, remains the same. We've got to continue to, to create big plays. I think that that's going to um, be good for us moving forward, um, as well as creating takeaways. With certain goals off the table now for BYU at 2-8, and eight, not playing in the postseason, what are some things, maybe talking points, Kalani's hit with the group to make sure he gets what he wants from them here in the final three games, and you too? Yeah, you know, coaching staff as well as all the players, the, the uh, big thing has really been about, um, you know, self-accountability to the team. And, 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 and to yourself and to your family, those who you're playing for and those who have sacrificed to put, put those players in those seats, you know. And um, a lot of times, you know, seasons like this and um, pe- people kind of just forget about that and just want to feel sorry for themselves and start, um, you know, kind of going away from the plan. And so um, really being accountable, just doing things really on and off the field the right way. And, and uh, you know, in our team meeting this morning, he didn't really talk football at all. He just talked about, um, everybody making a decision to be accountable to themselves, and by doing that, they're going to be accountable to the team. And and uh, I, I I think it's a good message for the kids to to just uh, you know get, put, keep pushing forward and just take care of your business. You know, um, there's there's always other people that are affected. You know, for us on this team, the guy next to you that you're playing for, but also the your family members, your your future family. If you're not a guy that's not married, and the guys that are married, your your current wife and kids. I mean, they're all affected by the way that you handle yourself on and off the field. And I think it was an important message for them to, to hear at that time. For most every program, dip seasons or down seasons happen. Hasn't happened at BYU for a long time, which is credit to BYU. But whether it's Fresno, who was 1-11 last year and playing in a bowl this year, or Broncos Virginia team, not very many wins last year, bowl eligible this year. Uh, and that's just two examples of many, many, many. You can make a recovery, and you can be back where you want to be, and it doesn't take four or five seasons to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's definitely fixable, and we, you know, we see it. I know the offensive guys are are, are working hard, and Kalani is, as well as working with them about um, the corrections that we need to make and getting things back on track. And defensively, we see it the same way, um, making the improvements, getting the right guys in the right spot. Um, you know, some some movement that we're probably going to have after the season as far as personnel guys moving into different spots and doing all that i think we're, we're excited about the future and obviously we're playing for now we need to win these next three but uh we're also looking looking forward to the future and and uh we're hungry to just get get the, get back to a bowl game right yeah. now already thinking about that there are people who say that you are what your record says you are but you certainly didn't see a two and eight team when you started camping in august um and, and you probably look at your group right now and still go man we're better than two wins. Do you believe that in your heart? I do. I do. Um, you know, for for whatever reason, um, and 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 offensively, defensively, special teams with with Kalani, we're working on. Um, you know, there there's some wins that we left out there, and there's definitely some teams that um, thought we had a good shot of, uh, against winning, but uh, just just didn't happen that way. <laughs> Not the way the ball bounced, but 
you know, I, I thought that there was definitely some good teams we played. And, you know, you look at early at LSU, it, it was a very competitive game, at least for us defensively, we felt like. Um, now, obviously, it wasn't the same on the other side of the ball. But I think when you're clicking on both ends, especially if we come away, with, with, you know, from that game, uh, successful on offense and coming away with a win, I think I think it's a different deal. It's a different feeling. But um, that, that that game and as well as the Wisconsin, I thought Wisconsin just beat us up, you know. And, yeah. and uh, credit to them. And they're a good team. And it shows, you know, throughout the rest of the year, the way they're playing, they're still undefeated. And they're, they're doing a lot more to other teams than they did to us, which is, you know, credit to them. But, uh, you know, some of these other teams with the Utah State game and all the turnovers and, um, you know, just uh, turnovers in a bunch of other games as well as just not capitalizing on, on creating takeaways on the defensive side. And, I mean, there, there are games that we've left out there on teams that we should have beaten, you know, and, and that's how I feel about it. But, um, you know, where <laughs> you you are what your record is, is, is you know, is, is true, but at the same time it's it doesn't have you didn't have to sit like that and you don't have to just accept it there's always things that you can do to get better and and win there has to be some consideration and acknowledgement too of the injury situation personnel situation for byu this year no coaches don't want to use it as a reason but the bottom line is it's been a brutal year for byu health wise and again um it's a major injury tanner angham uh, tanner mangum after coming back from injury getting himself hurt in the fresno state game coming back from that and playing in the second half now it's an achilles injury um whether it's quarterback all the different running backs linebacking core every area of the team except the o-line really has been hit by injury this year it's a factor it just you have to say it's been a rough year that way it's, it's been a tough year and it's been a tough year for those kids you know and you talk about a team and, and losing guys, and, and, and it has been rough. But for those players and those kids, and you see them come in at 6 in the morning, showing up for treatment and doing those things, and, you know, it, it becomes hard. When, when you're not playing football and you're not competing and you're just expected to show up and get treatment and go to class and do all that and start to see those kids, and, I, you know, I, I feel badly for them at the same time. I appreciate them and the work that they're putting in because it, it'll pay dividends. Just, you know, I had, I had uh, a couple of players that I, that I coached at other places where I saw that. And, um, you know, the off season and their dedication and showing up and getting in the cold tub at five in the morning when everybody else isn't. I mean, those things pay off. And, you know, one of the kids that I that I had at another school is still playing in the NFL now because of what he went through and just um, sitting out a whole year. And so I know th- these you kids. Want to mention you know, that, does it matter to tell, say who that person is? Is it okay to say who that person uh, is if you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Robert Turbin you okay. know, at, at Utah State. And he sat out a year. Michael Smith was another running back with the NFL. It was the same. You know, those guys. End up sitting out a year, but just get extra work, uh, extra study of film, right? Become better students of the game. And I think some of our players could benefit from that and are benefiting from that um, while they're sitting out, just getting treatment and getting better. All right, coming up, it's our last segment for the week. It'll be questions about uh, UNLV from me and questions from Cougar Nation, you, using the hashtag CCBYU. So if you're on Twitter, pop in a question for Coach E using the hashtag CCBYU. CC for Coordinator's Corner. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're live at JCW's in Provo. Back after this on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so BYU has lost a shot at bowl eligibility for this season, but UNLV is in the bowl hunt, and it's BYU at UNLV Friday night here on the network. And so, uh, Coach Tuiaki, you know the Rebels will be heavily motivated and inspired. Uh, when they play BYU, they always want to beat the Cougars. Everyone does. But they've got some things in mind they want to get to. And uh, just on early glances, what does UNLV show you? They're a lot like Fresno uh, as far as scheme. Um, you know, I don't – I. 
they're they're not as uh, good. Their timing isn't as good as Fresno's, um, and so we, we you know we've got to capitalize on that. They've they've used three different quarterbacks. I think their guy got hurt. Um, their starter got hurt, and they ended up using a receiver, and then now they're they're up to another quarterback who's won them in the last two games. And I think that's the guy that they're going to start with. And, 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 you know, he's a decent player. The original starter was faster, but he came in this last game against Hawaii and threw a pick, and we didn't see him play after that. And so, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a good offense. They'll they'll do a good job. With the uh, offensive coordinator as well as the run game coordinator were both guys that were in Nebraska, and so they're, I think, uh, run-oriented. But they do a good job keeping everything uh, about even as far as running pass. Uh, not a great uh, passing team by production. 106th in yards per game, 104th in passing efficiency, but yeah, a really good rushing team. Uh, they're ranked 10th nationally right now in yards per carry, yards per rush, that is, and so that's where they want to go, and if they go there, I know you feel you've got the team to, to meet them there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I feel like it's a it's a good matchup for us up front. Um, you know, I, I know that after after this this last film session that we had with the D tackles, they practiced really. They're they're really excited to to, to get back in and and uh, play. And I think that it's a good challenge for those guys up front. And I think that, that it's a good 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 matchup for us. A little trivia note uh, for Coach Tuiaki and uh, Cougar Nation: BYU's never lost at UNLV when playing UNLV. <laughs> Over the years, uh, BYU's eight zero uh, all time when playing at UNLV. So Vegas has gotten its wins against BYU here and there, but they've come in Provo of all places. So see if we can keep that string going. Uh, question from Ryan here on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. How can the defense step up to cause more sacks, TFLs, and especially create turnovers? It's a, it's a combination of a bunch of different things. You know, guys guys stepping out and making plays. Um, I was uh, I, I had a really good conversation with... Uh, with Sione, Sione Takataki the other uh, just last week about about his progression as a pass rusher, you know, and and he reminds me a lot of another guy that I that I coached where the his first year I think he ended up having five, and then the next year he had nineteen and a half, <laughs> and I think Sione has turned that corner. So is Corbin. They're starting to turn that corner as far as uh, you know all the the specifics that when I'm asking them to pass rush, and I think they're 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 doing a really good job. And so those two guys coming back next year. Expect to have really, really big years, um, but uh, as far as creating more things, it's just you know a guy making a play. You know, um, everybody staying in their lane. Also, there's a lot of times we just get where we where the last uh, the bit one of the big plays we end up knocking a guy off of getting a sack just because somebody else is, is trying to do uh, someone else's job. It's just little mm-hmm. things like that. And so, really, when you're not when you're not playing well, I I think uh, you look at it and you say, okay, we're either not good enough, we don't care enough, or we're not disciplined enough to, to do everything right. And I think it's the latter for us right now. we just got to continue to play with discipline. And, and when those uh, opportunities come for guys to make plays, we just have to make them. Question from Josh coming in on Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. Uh, Coach Tuiaki, who are the leaders on the team that the players listen to, and what are they doing differently maybe this week to get ready for UNLV? Uh, on the defense, you know, Butch, Butch is a guy that has a voice, uh, Fred as well. Um, you know, Shenatak has really stepped up, and he's not normally a guy that that uh, I mean, he talks a lot, but not uh, a guy that is is up in the leadership role. But uh, I mean, just just th- this last practice was really good, and those guys being really vocal about um, you know not not taking the, the the foot off the pedal and just continuing to practice hard and practice the right way. Um, you know, after after this loss, we're sitting at two and eight. It was it was a really really good intense practice, you know, and I think that that's just credited to the kids and the players about taking ownership and just making sure that nobody's 
nobody's, uh, you know, uh, losing belief, at least, in just winning yeah. the next three and just playing hard. Those, those guys have done a good job on the defensive side. Okay, final question from Twitter today uh, from Jeffrey Butler. Uh, Coach, how do you feel the players are progressing within your system, and what metrics or stats show growth and improvement to you? Yeah, um, th- th- there's, there's growth. There's growth, and there's definitely a lot of lumps that are going on, but there's growth. And, and you know, the system, as far as what we – we uh, we changed completely. It was just going to a lot of man coverage and recruiting taller corners and getting those guys in. And some of those kids that we've brought in are probably longer kids that don't have as much experience playing corner, but are just tall kids that can run. Uh, you know, it's just it's for those guys it's just a matter of experience and just time. And and uh, I mean, once once it starts to, to click for them, you know, it's hard to, to, to gauge and put your finger on one stat and say this is the, this is how they're getting better. We can just kind of see little things that they're that they're doing and starting to understand things and just making certain plays um and that's been been good to their to their contribution and just their 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 uh their growth you know growing up really with the corners and with the d line it's just day after day i mean all the things that they do there's little things that show up that just tell me they're they're on the right path and playing the way that we want them to okay final 30 seconds e uh you mentioned accountability being key any other prime motivators to your guys with three games to go this year just a love for football, you know, and, and the opportunity. We have an opportunity to play Division One football, um, an opportunity to compete, you know, and, and uh, if, if that's not enough, then then uh, I, I think we've got the wrong guys, and that's not the case. I think there's guys that want to do well, that want to compete, that want to win, and uh, it's, it's not ideal that we're 2-8 and eight right now, but it's still an opportunity to compete and go go beat somebody up on the other side of the ball. All right. Good luck in Vegas on Friday night. Thank you. Appreciate All right. That's Coach Elisa Tuiaki, and that'll do it for this week's Coordinator's Corner from JCW's here in Provo. Our thanks to BYU's Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki and Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. Join us next Monday, 1 o'clock, here at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. So long.